I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is a Greg Peterson experience here from Circus Sportsbook right here on VEASAN. I'm Greg Peterson. We've got ourselves some tremendous college football action that is wrapping up. It's been a really interesting Saturday. So here in the first hour, we're going to be taking you through so much of this. Get you caught up on the games that are currently in action in a second. And as we all know, NFL Sunday is coming our way. For some of you guys out there on the Central Time Zone along with the Eastern Time Zone, it is a college football Sunday. For those of us in the Mountain and Pacific Time Zones, it is going to be within the next hour or two. So once all continental 48 states have a Sunday, we're going to be taking a look at those games hard and heavy. Also going to be taking a look at a couple props that we've got in the NFL as well. I know that many of you guys have reached out to me wanting me to dive into the Futures market when it comes to odds to win NFL MVP, as we have seen some, shall we say, hot takes on a lot of NFL quarterbacks and far for the course when it comes to the NFL. So we're going to be diving into that along the way. And hey, we wound up seeing a pair of Major League Baseball games as well on Saturday. So going to recap those as we've got what's going to be a very entertaining game too in the NLCS to be able to take a look at as well. So we've got a whole lot going on and With regards to that whole lot going on, we've got a pair of games that are live right now. And if you're hoping for a Pac-12 team to be able to make the college football playoff, well, as it stands right now, Oregon is certainly the best shot for the Pac-12, but this is not going to help. One of the teams that if they were to win out and Oregon were to lose, they would maybe have a little bit of a shot. Arizona State, they're in a little bit of rough shape right now. 28-21 is the score in this one. Arizona State... Close anywhere between a favorite and an underdog. They open up a one-point favorite. At a couple of books, they close as a favorite. At a lot of books, though, they wound up closing right around a one-and-a-half-ish point underdog. So we saw a lot of two-way action on this game with a total opening up at 51, closing anywhere between 51-and-a-half and 52. So you're hoping for pretty much any sort of a touchdown to be able to put this one over if you do have the over. If you're on the under, well... You're hoping that this game pretty much just goes into oblivion and stops right here. But as it stands right now, 28 to 21, it is Utah that is currently in the lead and getting the ball back. And then the other game that is going on right now, you've got Hawaii versus Nevada. Nevada wound up closing as between a 14 to a 14 and a half point favorite after opening up right around 16 with the total anywhere between 61 and a half and 62. And right now it's on a little bit of an under course, but Total certainly not yet decided. 27-17, Nevada has the lead. So they're looking to be able to score a couple more points to be able to get within the number on this one as they want to play right around two touchdowns depending on where you look. So we've got a pair of games that are going down there. And we wound up seeing this game go final a little bit ago, but certainly was one that I think is worth talking about because not just from what we wound up seeing on the field, which we're going to get into that in a minute, but... Just the total itself. 
Highest total we have ever seen for an SEC conference game. Ole Miss, Tennessee is what we're talking about right now. Ole Miss, the lane train. He winds up going back to his old stopping grounds of Tennessee where he had a season which was, shall we say, a little bit forgettable. He's learned a little bit ever since he was there in Knoxville, and it was Ole Miss being able to get it done for the former Tennessee coach by a count of 31 to 26. That's not necessarily the story here. And by the way, if you want to betting on Ole Miss in this one, they open up right around a three-point favorite. They close more in the realm of about a one-point favorite. I think that we wound up seeing a stray book or two wind up closing this as a pick but we wound up seeing a whole bunch of stuff thrown on the field in the back half of this one in a game which, at the time, Tennessee wasn't necessarily out of. They still had opportunities to be able to win the game, one of the more stark scenes that we've seen in college football in quite a while and it was highlighted by the fact that there was a fan that i have no idea how they got this into the game because obviously they don't sell this at the stadium itself but threw a whole bottle of mustard onto the field so you wound up having a whole lot of that and well if you wound up taking the over in this one yeah you're probably going to be eating mustard right now because this one did not wind up coming close and one of those things when it comes down to handicapping, I don't care what the sport is, whether it be the NBA, college basketball, NFL, what have you, when you wind up getting a harebrained total like this, it's really hard for me to take the over just because I feel like this one was one that really got seamed up. And just when it comes to these sports in general, you do have like critical numbers like I myself do college basketball. When you wind up seeing a total get north of 160, you've really got to lick those offenses in order to take it over. When it comes to college football, I would say more like 70. Anything north of that, then you're just like, man, it's a little bit tough. And Ole Miss, no question. They had been playing the Ole defense a week before against Arkansas. We saw Tennessee a few weeks earlier. They were able to put up north of 60 points against Missouri. Obviously, it is Missouri, but just one of those situations in which when you wind up getting a total that high, it's really hard to take the over because you just need the teams to be able to score on seemingly every single drive. And not just score, but score a touchdown. And, well, it did not wind up getting there in this one. And then if you're taking a look at more SEC action as well, we wound up seeing a lot of the SEC stalwarts be able to get the job done on Saturday. A team that has been a stalwart year in and year out in the SEC. And one that I came on this program yesterday and I thought was a little bit undervalued LSU. They were a underdog at home, and not just an underdog at home, because it's very understandable that Florida is a favorite in this spot, but they were an underdog of right around 12 to 12 and a half points, and LSU winds up being able to pull off the outright win at by kind of 49 to 42 for Florida. It's a little bit of a befuddling team, because we saw them in their game against Alabama a couple weeks ago. They don't wind up winning it outright, but they certainly had a game showing, and they were going up against an LSU team that... We have seen the best of LSU this year, and we've seen the worst of LSU, highlighted by the fact that they wind up losing to a UCLA program that I think we're starting to find out that the good first couple weeks of the season was a little bit fraudulent with them, but what I was really taken away from, what I was really just enthralled with with regards to LSU, how about Terion Davis-Price? 36 carries. He racks up a grand total of something like 287 yards and not one, not two, but three touchdowns. It is really good to be able to see something like that go on. And in the SEC in general, you did wind up having the chalk come through. In the next segment, we're going to hit on a little bit of the Big Ten because you did wind up see, seeing a team in the top five 
And they wind up losing at home outright. We wound up seeing quite a few home teams not necessarily be able to get it done. And that leads us to the other thing that really stood out to me when it came to the SEC. Auburn going on the road to take down Arkansas. This was the team that I wanted highlighting on the show yesterday that I thought had a good chance to be able to get an outright win as an underdog. And it certainly was the case. 38-23 to the final. You take a look at this Arkansas bunch and they did a good job of not having interceptions out of K.J. Jefferson, but they were a little bit stagnant when it came to the offense, and though K.J. Jefferson did not wind up having an interception, he did wind up having a lost fumble in this game as well. And for Auburn, what I think is really key for them is that Bo Nix seems to be turning the corner a little bit. Now, is Bo Nix a marquee SEC quarterback? Is he a guy that is going to be leading Auburn to any sort of a promised land? I don't think so, but... You take a look at Bo Nix so far this year. He's only thrown two interceptions, so he's avoided the bad plays, and I think that that's something very critical when it comes to just handicapping college football in general because when it comes to turnovers, they're spread killers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are spread killers. You just need sometimes these teams to wind up having a solid drive, even if it doesn't wind up manufacturing points, but you can't wind up giving the other team good field position. You can't afford those last fumbles, those interceptions, and that has made Auburn a little bit more of a bet-on team, which I do think that is something that you always want to be taking a look at because we see it with these teams that they're able to cover the spread and these teams that are not. Typically, turnovers are the big bugaboo for those teams that are unable to do so, and we look no further than a team that still has not covered a game so far this year. That would be Missouri as they wind up getting pummeled once again. They're at home. They wind up losing to Texas A&M guy by a count of 35 to 14. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous right now that you've got a Missouri team that's 0-7 against the spread. They've been close in a couple of their games. They've had a couple outright wins. As if you're looking just outright there, 3-4, and four, obviously 0-3 in conference. But just not a good day for this Missouri team as they wind up having a pair of interceptions themselves. You take a look at Zach Calzada. He wound up throwing an interception, but... Texas A&M was really able to get out early in this game, and those are always handicapping spots that you want to take a look at as well. Texas A&M coming off of the win of wins when it comes to college football, being able to knock off Alabama, which they were able to get up off the mat, and they were able to have a very convincing win. If you want to blame the 17 or so points with Alabama, well, you could have doubled that, and you would have been able to get there with ease, but you take a look at the Texas A&M team, thoroughly impressed by them. I felt like it was a massive overreaction that they wanted falling outside the top 25 prior to their game last week against Alabama. This is a team that you take a look no more than three weeks ago. They were in the top 10 in all of college football. They still have one of the top running backs out there in Isaiah Spiller. He was able to put that on display. 20 carries, 168 yards. Looked absolutely terrific there. And it always helps when you wind up getting out to a nice lead when you're a run-heavy team like Texas A&M is. Let's face it, Texas A&M, this is not a bunch of which you want them just airing the ball like 50 times a game or anything like that. This is a team in which they rely on good defense. They rely on their ground game just being steady, and they were certainly able to do that in this one. So a couple things I wound up standing out from the SEC because I really do feel like the SEC, with everything that's gone on right now, has put themselves in position to perhaps get two teams into the college football playoff and Going into this Saturday, I felt like the Big Ten had perhaps an opportunity to get two teams in themselves. I think that that has been squandered. 
we all know that team that wound up losing that was in the top five on this college football Saturday. So we'll take a look at that. We'll take a look at the landscape of the Big Ten in general. And you've got a team that is driving right now in Pac-12 after dark that I'm going to get you caught up on as well. So everything that I just mentioned and so much more on the other side, right here on the Greg Peterson Experiences up next on VEASAN. Peace. We are back here in lovely Las Vegas, here in Circa for the Greg Peterson Experience. I am Greg Peterson, and we've got a pair of touchdowns out there on the West Coast from a pair of teams that are at home. Nevada winds up putting one on the board against Hawaii. So if you're looking at this total, it's going to be quite an almighty sweat, whether you've got the over or the under as it is now 34 to 17 in Nevada up on Hawaii. Got about two minutes left in the third quarter in this one. Total on up closing and between 61 and a half and 62. And if you're looking at this live, you'd be finding it more around a 64 to a 64 and a half. It looks like we're seeing some juice on the over. If you're looking at a 64 to a 64 and a half. And if you're taking a look at Nevada right now, they want up closing anywhere between a 14 to a 14 and a half point favorite. So a lot of people are currently looking at a push, no matter which way you want to betting on this one. So, Certainly, we'll be keeping you guys abreast of that, as I'm sure that there are quite a few people watching and listening that have a little bit of action there. And the Utah Utes put themselves up by 14. They just wound up punching the ball into the end zone. It is now 35 to 21. And if you want to take in this total over, well, congratulations. You have cashed. His total wound up opening up at 51. Close right around 52 and a half in a lot of spots. So regardless of your number, wound up getting the over here. And with Arizona State, they wound up opening up a one-point favorite. Saw them close as the underdog in a lot of spots. You saw a lot of books that had various liability on this game. But Utah right now in full control of this game. They are up by 14. You've got about two and a half minutes left in this one. So if you are a backer of Arizona State, you need quite the miracle as it's been a stark turnaround if you wound up having this over, by the way, as they just flash it up there, Utah. Wound up having seven points in the first half, 28 points here in the second half. And Arizona State looks like they might be able to get a kickoff return. Almost wound up breaking it all the way. Winds up getting stopped at midfield. That would have been absolutely massive for Arizona State. So, going to keep our eyes on that. Also, just keeping our eyes on everything that we're seeing in college football in general. As I did think that there was a, an opportunity for the Big Ten to perhaps be a, I guess you could call it for lack of a better term, Two big conference for the college football playoff. We always use that when it comes to college basketball for teams that wind up getting into the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you've got a much smaller college football playoff field than you do the NCAA tournament where seemingly everyone and their grandmother, when it comes to these Power 5 teams, wind up being able to get in. Meanwhile, the mid-majors, they wind up getting left at the altar, unfortunately. I'll tell you how I really feel about that. But with that said, you take a look at what wound up happening on this college football Saturday and a little bit disastrous if you're hoping for multiple teams to be able to make the college football playoff from the Big Ten in that Iowa winds up taking a bad loss to Purdue by kind of 24 to 7. And really, when it came to Iowa, a terrific defensive team, and they didn't do a bad job on defense in this one. Now, they allowed a little bit too much through the air. Aiden O'Connell. Winds coming in, and he looked absolutely terrific. He wound up being able to rack up 375 passing yards, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier. More important than that, did not wind up throwing any interceptions, and his main man, David Bell, 
11 catches for 240 yards. I would call that a relatively good game for a wide receiver, but when it comes to Iowa, just nothing generated on the ground. He combined 30 carries for 76 yards. Obviously, that takes into account the few sacks that you wind up having in there. That's always one of those things with college football. So, number a little bit deceiving there, but they weren't able to get a whole lot generated on the ground. And then Mr. Petras winds up having not one, not two, not three, but four interceptions for Iowa. When you wind up losing that turnover battle by a count of four to one because there was a lost fumble on the end of Purdue, it really puts you behind the eight ball. For Iowa, no question. A defense that, even despite the fact that they wanted giving up quite a bit through the air, they weren't necessarily terrible in this one, but at the same time, just a situation which Iowa, they wind up taking the loss. And now, if you're looking at the Big Ten, it all becomes which singular team is going to be able to make the college football playoff because they have leveled themselves out for trying to be a two-bid league, for lack of a better term. And one of those teams that is right now in prime position is actually Michigan State. I know that there was a lot of controversy on this network just all over the place in general that said Michigan State laying four and a half points was very stinky. And the oddsmakers did a terrific job on that four and a half number because very rarely does a number land on this. You saw in a couple places this wound up getting to Michigan State laying three and a half. So if you wound up getting a three and a half, it's a little bit more comfortable than the four and a half that I was seeing across the board a lot 24 hours ago. But that said, whether you had three and a half or four and a half, if you wanted playing it with Michigan State, you got the job done. Twenty to fifteen, as it certainly was a little bit of a sweat in this one, and I think I'm putting it as politely as I can. But for Indiana, not having Penix certainly has been a little bit of a damper for the team, and whenever he's been out there, just hasn't been the mobile threat that we wound up seeing last year. It was Jack Tuttle that wound up taking the snaps in this one. Goes just twenty-eight of fifty-two, and for Michigan State. Just a team that is leveling others on defense. And that has really been the MO of the Big Ten really since the dawn of time when it comes to college football. You've got a couple teams like in Ohio State, like in Maryland, that they're able to spread the field. They're able to do a good job of being able to march down and be able to rack up a couple couple points. But that said, you wound up seeing a lot of lower scoring games out there in the Big Ten in this one with Wisconsin, a team that has been very disappointing if you wind up betting them on the spread. They wind up not being able to cover in this one. They do get the outright win against Army, but certainly it's been a little bit of a horse of peace situation there. And we've got to address the program in the Big Ten that ever since they have joined the Big Ten, they have been getting beaten up upon. And I'm not even talking about Rutgers, though. It certainly has been the case for them as well. Nebraska. I keep on just thinking in the back of my mind, why in the world did they fire Bo Pelini? Now, it's one of these cases in which I know that there are going to be some people that disagree because with Bo Pelini, the Nebraska corner officers never got above 10 wins. But with that said, they have lost at least four games in each out of the last seven years now. They have not gotten above nine wins ever since Canningham seven years ago. And they wind up taking a loss in this one by kind of 30-23. They are unable to cover this game. And you're looking at a Nebraska corner officers program that I think that they really are sort of prisoners of thinking that they're better than what they are. You see this in a couple programs. We see it with, I hate to bring this up, but Indiana basketball. I think that they're going to be able to get back to a little bit of promise, but loss is a luster on that program. Certainly loss is a luster of Nebraska football. I mean, this was a powerhouse about 20, 25 years ago. Now it is 
for lack of a better term, a below average program because you take a look at it under Bo Pelini. Yeah, they weren't competing for national championships, but they were getting their 9 to 10 wins every year, going to a halfway decent bowl game. You would be going to the Outback Bowl, so shout out to the players being able to get nice blooming onions and perhaps a steak and everything like that, but they certainly weren't at a top-tier bowl game or anything like that, but at the very least, they were going to bowl games, which at this point, with Nebraska being 3-5, and five, they're on pace for not being bowl eligible, and what was really the undoing for them, I still remember at that Colt McCoy game in the Big 12 title game, in which Colt McCoy winds up throwing it out of bounds with one second left. That was a Big 12 title game that wound up happening, I would say, about 10 years ago now. And the other team in that one, Texas, well, they are not back, ladies and gentlemen. They wind up getting pounded at home by an Oklahoma State program that I had some questions with coming into the day, but Oklahoma State, they were able to get it done on the road by a count of 32 to 24. And it's just really intriguing to see what we're able to get out of Oklahoma State moving forward because this is a team in which the aerial tech is not necessarily terrific for them. Spencer Sanders, he didn't do anything special in this game. Buck 78 through the air, he wound up completing right around 59 or so percent of his passes. But what Oklahoma State has been able to do very well is be able to bottle up the ground game. And Bajan Robinson still got his. I think that Bajan Robinson, if he's not the top running back right now in all of college football, he certainly isn't far from it. He winds up racking up 135 yards and a pair of touchdowns. But for Texas, they've been really searching for the their quarterback. Hudson Card wound up starting out the year. It was Casey Thompson, who is now behind center. Pair of interceptions. And I just keep mentioning it, and I really think that it was a big theme of what we wound up seeing on this college football Saturday. Turnovers wound up being spread killers. That wound up being the case for Texas in this one, who is now 4-3. and three. And for Oklahoma State, I feel like very silently is currently 6-0. and oh. You take a look at Oklahoma State. Yeah, the competition hasn't necessarily been the world's greatest, but at the same time, they've now been able to beat up on three straight ranked teams in back-to-back-to-back weeks now. Not like they were a highly ranked team when they wound up knocking off Kansas State. They were number 25 in the country. Baylor, they wound up going into this week unranked, and they were able to get a nice win over BYU, so I could see them being ranked when it's all said and done, but at the time of beating them, they were number 21, and in this one, Texas barely ranked at number 25. They are no doubt going to be falling outside of the rankings when it comes to college football, but certainly has been a very good showing thus far for Oklahoma State was a very good showing for a certain road team when it comes to the MLB as well. We wound up seeing a pair of games in the NLCS along with the ALCS that we're going to be taking a look back at next, and we're going to be projecting forward a little bit when it comes to Dodgers versus Braves game two as well. So going to be chatting a little bit of baseball next right here on Greg Peter on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Fuel up for football with the five hour energy football challenge. Energize your fight for first and play for free in this three part series and get your shot at $15,000 in total prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash five hyphen our energy now to be able to get in on the action. That's five hyphen our energy, hours and hours of energy, terms and conditions apply, and other eligibility restrictions do apply as well. See DraftKings.com for details as
We are back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. I am Greg Peterson, and we've got a lot to be able to take a look at in the sports world right now. As we know, NHL action just wound up getting started. The NBA is going to be back before we know it. And right now we've got a very entertaining postseason that's going on as we wound up seeing the National League and the American League Championship Series wind up being played on Saturday. Game one of the NLCS and game two of the ALCS. Let's take a look at the American League first because, well, in terms of time order, it was the first one. But you take a look at what wound up happening and it was just an utter calamity for the Houston Astros. 9-5 to five was the final as the Boston Red Sox wind up getting grand slams in the first and the second innings in this one. And Kike Hernandez, let's take a look at the things that are currently hotter than Kike Hernandez on the face of planet Earth right now. I'm looking down my list. I see lava and I'm seeing absolutely nothing else. I mean, this guy has been absolutely amazing. He hits another home run in this one. He has now gotten 15 hits in the last five games. Over the course of five postseason games in a single postseason, I think that's the most in MLB history. I mean, he has been that good for the Boston Red Sox. And then you just take a look at what wound up happening for the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia winds up getting the start in this one. He winds up giving up five runs in an inning, which typically a team in the postseason, they'll go to the bullpen anyway in that spot. But he wound up leaving with an injury that caused Jake Odorizzi for... Lack of a better term to be a bulk guy. They weren't playing on Luis Garcia being an opener, but that's just the way that the cookie wound up crumbling in this one. But when it comes to this series, I do think that's going to be really intriguing to see what we wind up getting in game three because you take a look at it, and Ose Urikiti is going to be going in game three for the Houston Astros. As of right now, the Boston Red Sox have yet to be able to settle in on a starter. I fully expect we wind up seeing either Eduardo Rodriguez or you wind up getting Nick Pavetta. Pavetta has yet to come out of the bullpen. I know that the Red Sox in their last series against the Rays wound up using him in that role. I think we can rule out Tanner Houck because he wound up coming in in relief yesterday. So likely knocks him out of the running to be able to get the start here in Game 3. But certainly going to be really intriguing. And I think that this is just the time of year in which you're able to find a lot of value betting game by game because I was someone that I thought that there was a lot of value in game one on the Houston Astros that did wind up being the case and then in game two you had Nathan Eovaldi going someone who has just been a gamer throughout his career in the MLB postseason that was certainly the case and he's been so good for the Boston Red Sox that they are now nine and one when he winds up taking them out in the postseason. The only game that the Boston Red Sox have ever lost when Nathan Eovaldi has taken them out, and this is postseason and postseason only, obviously, but the lone game, that would be in the 2018 World Series, that just memorable 18-inning marathon that they wound up having against the LA Dodgers, in which he heroically comes out for six-plus innings out of the bullpen just unexpectedly. That's the only time... The Red Sox have ever lost a game in which Nathan Evaldi pitches in some form or capacity, whether that be out of the bullpen or as a starter. So we certainly have seen a little bit of a momentum flip here. And I'm going to be going into game two in the second hour of the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers. But taking a look at this one, the Braves wind up getting a 3-2 to win. And they do it behind a guy that has been very hot himself in Max Freed. Here's a list of things that are hotter than Max Freed right now. Oh, look, Kike Hernandez, Lava, and that's about it. So, Aenea has been absolutely tremendous as the Atlanta Braves are now 11-1 and in his last 12 starts, dating back regular season and postseason. In that time span, Max Freed has a sub-170 RA. Dives widen up 
allowing a home run in this one to Will Smith, but for the Dodgers, they want to take an wholesale approach, but what I think was really smart with the Dodgers, and they've actually set themselves up very well for Game 2 with Max Scherzer in all likelihood going in Game 2. It sounds like that's going to be confirmed here relatively soon, and that's listed up on the betting board, so fortunately, we're not going to have the same sort of issues that we wound up having in Game 1 with the Dodgers going with Corey Knebel, but what was smart for the Dodgers is that they had only one of their pitchers in this bullpen game throw more than 16 pitches. That was the bulk guy, Tony Gonsolin. And let's face it, if you're a fan of the Dodgers, if you're a backer of the Dodgers, if you have any sort of money on them, the less of Tony Gonsolin that you see, it probably the better. He winds up throwing like 28 pitches in this one. He did wind up allowing a run. As a matter of fact, he wound up allowing that home run to Austin Riley, but it is going to be very intriguing to see what we wind up getting out of a Max Scherzer versus Ian Anderson matchup because you take a look at Max Scherzer and he has been absolutely tremendous ever since coming over to the LA Dodgers, but we're seeing it with the LA Dodgers in general. This is a team that has been able to do an absolutely marvelous job with their pitching. They have allowed four runs or fewer and now all but one of their games in the month of October. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Atlanta Braves and they've been doing a great job with their pitching as well. We saw them in that series against the Milwaukee Brewers. They give up four runs or fewer in every one of their games. They have now given up four runs or fewer in 11 out of their last 12 games. So it certainly has been a little bit of an underfest that we have been seeing out of really both of these teams. And when you take a look at the American League and the National League, you've been seeing just variance with regards to the totals because everything has been going over in the ALCS so far. You wound up seeing the Red Sox and the Astros in their first series just completely pummel pitching in general. This is a Houston Astros team that they have scored five plus runs in every game this month. They wound up having a couple regular season games in there, all four games against the Chicago White Sox. Now in the first two games of this series, they have been able to get five runs. A lot of them were garbage time runs in this one as you wound up having a couple home runs given up by Darwin and Hernandez by the Red Sox in game two earlier today, but certainly has been something that I've been taking note of. So, You've got a pair of very good offenses in the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros that have come to play. Meanwhile, the pitchers have not necessarily so much so. And what I do think is so important when it comes to gauging postseason handicapping as well is these bullpens. Because if you take a look at the bullpen ERAs, and I typically like to do a post-all-star break because I just don't think at this point of the season when it comes to baseball, you can take much from things that wind up happening in months like May and April, because you have out there guys that probably want up getting traded away at the trade deadline and everything like that. Guys that are out for the year due to Tommy John surgery. But you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. Ever since the All-Star break, they rank number four in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. The Dodgers are in the top three. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the flip side, the other series, the Houston Astros have been right around league average with their bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break and the Boston Red Sox. They were the worst team of any team that wanted to make in the postseason when it comes to their bullpen ERA. They were 20th. Now, another thing that you have to wind up doing when it comes to the postseason as well is that the typical bullpen arms, they might not necessarily wind up coming out. And this is typically a good thing because sometimes you wind up betting on a team and say that you wind up placing a bet on the Boston Red Sox in late July, early August. You might have a bet and it's like, all right, my bet is now relying upon has to search Google to check double-A numbers. Oh, so-and-so wound up having a 5 ERA at Pawtucket, and you're certainly not going to be getting any of that. We've already seen it in a lot of these series with the Milwaukee Brewers prior to them 
See, coming to the Atlanta Braves, they were throwing Brandon Woodruff out of the bullpen. We saw with the Dodgers, they wound up having Max Scherzer get his first save since he was at Missouri in 2004. Martin Perez has joined the bullpen of the Boston Red Sox. So that is something that you do want to be taking a look at as a lot of these, I shall call them lesser slash failed starters are now coming out of the bullpen, but that certainly is a little bit of the handicap as well. So got a lot of nuances when it comes to that. And certainly when it comes to betting on these series in general, I was mentioning this on the show a few weeks ago, and I really do think that it is the case. If you wind up liking a team to be able to win the World Series, rather than just taking the futures board price, bet this series by series and or game by game, because I do think that you are going to be able to maximize your profit. I do think that in both of these series, you are going to be able to find a lot of value on a game by game perspective. I did think that there was a little bit of value on on Max Free today, when it wound up becoming apparent that it was going to be a bullpen game for the LA Dodgers, I didn't think that there was value so much when we were thinking that it was going to be Max Scherzer, but certainly when you wind up seeing Max Freed against the bullpen of the LA Dodgers, you've got a little bit of something there. I do ultimately think that the Astros are going to be able to survive in advance here against the Boston Red Sox, but with the Red Sox today, I thought that there was tremendous value on Nathan Eovaldi as well. So every single one of these games when it comes to postseason is its own living, breathing entity. And I think that you're going to be able to find some opportunities in game because of what I wound up talking about with regards to these bullpen. Who winds up coming in and home and road splits. Something that matters as well because we have also noticed that these home crowds when it comes to the MLB postseason, they are absolutely ruckus. You're not going to be finding any games in which it's like, oh, little Susie couldn't be able to get out of school or anything like that to be able to attend the game. All these seats in these stands, they are absolutely packed, and it's absolutely tremendous to see. What else is tremendous to see? A lot of college football action coming up next. I'm going to keep you guys up to date as to what's happening in these West Coast games, and also going to take a look at the teams that are slash are not impressing me. That's on the other side right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get ready for all the action this NBA season with the VSIN Basketball Betting Experts. Grab your copy of the VSIN Pro Basketball Betting Guide now with strategies, predictions, and best bets to stay ahead of the odds makers. Our hoops experts, including Mr. Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategies and advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. This digital guide is a must-have, so give yourself a betting edge this season and get your copy now for only $9.99 a month. And to be able to get that, you're able to do so at vcin.com slash subscribe as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on vcin, the sports betting network and and tell you right now, we're going to be talking a little bit of NBA in the second hour. It is good to have it back. Now, sometimes the NBA gets a little bit monotonous because, as you can tell, I'm not going to say that the players wind up not caring, but you can tell that there are some times in which it's game number 55 and the Milwaukee Bucks, since I am a native of the state of Wisconsin, they wind up just going through the motions a little bit. And there's a lot of motivation spots when it comes to the NBA. So the work that guys like Jonathan Von Toba and company do is always appreciated. And 
you're able to find a lot of value when it comes to some of those player props as well. And I know that he's been focusing on, on that a little bit as well. So it's an absolutely terrific guide. I can't recommend it anymore. I also always like to recommend home underdogs. And when it comes to Utah, they wound up opening up as a home underdog. In a lot of places, they wound up closing as a very, very slight favorite. And it is confirmed that they were able to get the job done. This is a game that just won final 35-21. to 21. Utah winds up being able to get the win over Arizona State. So if you're hoping for two teams to be able to get in out of the Pac-12, or if you're hoping for any team to get in out of the Pac-12 from the college football playoff, because you certainly aren't getting due, in my opinion, you're probably not getting one. We're going to get into that in a minute. But, well, right now it's Oregon and probably absolutely nobody else that has a chance of being able to make the college football playoff as Arizona State Falls from the ranks of one-loss teams, and now they have two losses, and this is a game in which, if you want, taking the total over, it opened up at 51, the total did right around 52 and a half is where it wound up closing, well, a late touchdown by Utah wound up cashing that over for you, so good on you there, and good on you if you wound up betting on this Nevada versus Hawaii game, because you've still got some very good action that is going down here. Right around six minutes left in this one, Nevada has a lead by a count of 34 to 17, and this is one that is presently right on the number as Nevada is driving down looking for some more points. Total wound up closing right around a 61 and a half to a 62. Right now we are seeing this with a little bit more of an underpace at 34 to 17. And with Nevada laying 14, if you want to play in those points, you are hoping and praying to be able to get any sort of a score right now. We've got a pass interference on Hawaii, so... And I'll help you out if you're a Packer of the Wolf Pack. If you're someone that on a pack in the Rainbow Warriors, well, it is certainly looking a little bit murky at this point. And what else is looking very murky is the college football playoff picture in general. I do think that at this point, we are going to be getting two teams out of the SEC in some form or capacity. Obviously, the traditional way would be if Alabama and Georgia wind meeting up in the SEC title game. Alabama winds up getting the win there. You got a pair of teams with one loss. Boom. You have that. I don't think that there would be a lot of argument that Georgia and Alabama both belong in the college football playoff. If you wind up getting, well, anything other than that, then it becomes a little bit more of a horse of peace situation. But you take a look at what's really been impressive to me so far this college football season, and that's just the SEC in general. I mean, I keep talking about it. This is a conference, in my opinion. They deserve two teams to be able to get into the college football playoff. And we take a look at the team that's currently ranked number one in Georgia. Been thoroughly impressed by a man that wound up being under center today in Stetson Bennett because we were all talking up JT Daniels coming into the year. Might Bennett be actually a little bit better than JT Daniels? I think it's a fair debate at this point. He winds up going 14 of 20, 250 yards and three touchdowns against a Kentucky defense that they haven't been able to force a lot of turnovers, but this Kentucky defense has been relatively solid. He was able to pick them apart now. If you want to blame the 21 and a half points, you weren't able to get there as this was just a low scoring game in general. So you would have really needed the Georgia defense to come into play. And they still did. This is a Georgia defense that they rank, if not number one in the top five in pretty much every statistical category among FBS football teams. They have been that impressive. But I take a look at Georgia and just I look at this program up and down and I have been just very, very impressed by what we've been able to get out of them. And you take a look moving forward. Their next game against Florida in two weeks is probably their biggest, I guess you could call it, spot in which they might wind up slipping up. Because after that, they've got Missouri, they've got Tennessee, and 
Hopefully we aren't seeing mustard bottles thrown onto the field when Tennessee winds up getting absolutely pounded by this punch. They've also got a game against Georgia Tech, and they wind up losing this game to Charleston Southern. I don't know what's going to happen. I've right now got a nice little energy drink next to me. I think I might need to consume it whole with the plastic if that winds up happening because, I mean, it's just not going to happen. But And it's one of those things as well in which you wind up seeing that with the SEC a lot. They wind up scheduling these cupcakes in like the second to the last week of the year. I still remember when Alabama a few years ago wound up scheduling the Citadel and something that rubs me a little bit the wrong way, but it is what it is. But I take a look at Georgia. I've been thoroughly impressed by them. Stetson Bennett has been able to do a great job under center for this team. Also, a team that I wound up mentioning a little bit earlier, so I'm going to be a little bit more brief on this one, Michigan State. Certainly, it's not a case in which you wind up having a great passing game, but you just take a look at Michigan State as a whole, one of the top defenses in all of college football, and that's really been winning out unless if you're Clemson, because Clemson is a bunch of which they've got a very good defense right now, but DJU and company, they have not been able to generate a lot on offense, and that leads me to what has been disappointing me. The entirety of the ACC. Now, Clemson, the team that I just mentioned, they were able to be able to get a very, very close win on Friday. They wind up being able to take down Syracuse by a count of 17-14, to 14, but they were nowhere close to covering that game. DJ Uwe Ungerle, he was able to give you a little bit of something in that he didn't really turn the ball over, but he has been a big, giant disappointment. A guy that wound up beginning the year as one of the top Heisman hopefuls. He has not been able to do a whole lot of something. And then another guy that was an early Heisman hopeful, that would be Sam Owl. His team was able to get the win, and they were able to put up a lot of points in the process. North Carolina against Miami as North Carolina winds up being able to get a 45-42 to win, and my goodness, it's hard to believe that the Miami Hurricanes were ranked a couple weeks ago. They're now 2-on-4, and they look absolutely terrible. Tyler Van Dyke winds up going 20-45 of in this one with not one, not two, but three interceptions, which leads me to just scratch my head on how we wound up getting 87 points in this game because he wound up having a combined about 400 yards through the air between these two teams. Shows how bad the run defense was on both sides for both of these teams, and I will give Howell a little bit of credit. He did wind up having a pair of rushing touchdowns, but... That has been a big, giant disappointment, and a disappointment in general is anyone outside the SEC that was an early Heisman contender, because I talk about Samo, I talk about DJU, these guys have just not come to play so far this year. Meanwhile, you take a look at all those guys out there in the SEC, you take a look at what we've been able to get out of just Alabama in general. I recognize that they wind up having that tough go of it against Texas A&M last week, but... They were able to really exact revenge a 40-point win on Saturday. They just wind up taking Mississippi State to the woodshed. They looked very impressive there. And then you've got a team that is that was in a game in which, well, it is certainly getting a lot of attention right now for all the wrong reasons in that you've got a Ole Miss team that was able to get it done against Tennessee by kind of 31-26, to 26, and they just keep on re-showing the mustard bottle being out there on the field that I just keep on having a tough time not giggling at that. But I think that Matt Corral should right now be, if he's not number one with regards to Heisman odds, he should certainly be right up there. He wound up doing a great job of just being able to carry the ball in all honesty in this one. He didn't necessarily have a big game through the air, but this is someone that he just finds a way to be able to get offense for an Ole Miss team that they were entered into this week ranked number 13. They're certainly going to be climbing up a couple spots there. 195 yards on the ground. He winds up throwing for 231. He did wind up having an interception in this one, but was able to do enough 
for Ole Miss to be able to get it done and be able to get a win. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting in this Heisman race because if another team that has really impressed me, Cincinnati, continues to get very good performances out of the quarterback spot, that is something that you wind up taking a look at as well as Desmond Ritter has been nothing short of incredible for Cincinnati thus far. And Cincinnati looking to become the first ever group of five team to make the college football playoff. Now, as we all know, Notre Dame has made the college football playoff as an independent, but never as a group of five team been able to make the college football playoff. The Cincinnati Bearcats, with the way that they were able to win against Notre Dame a few weeks ago, they have certainly put themselves on very good footing to be able to do so, and they wind up just being able to continue that. They wind up completely just throttling Central Florida on Saturday, so they're certainly on their way there, and we are on our way to perhaps having a World Series champion within the next few weeks. It's going to depend on how many games we wind up getting, and A lot of that is going to be dependent on what we wind up getting on Sunday. Coming up next, I'm going to be taking a look at Dodgers versus the Atlanta Braves. Game two of the NLCS. Going to have a little bit of a preview there as it is confirmed that we're getting Max Scherzer. So diving into that next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the sports betting network. 